0: All right. Good morning, everybody. Can you say hi to Sonia Combs? So everybody, this is Sonia, and um, Sonia's one of uh, Kate and I's really great friends. And um, we're excited this morning to just dive into some things. Sonia is a licensed counselor, And she owns core counseling and has three different locations in the Spokane area and does a great job of helping people begin to think in a healthy way about their lives. And she's really, really good at it. And she's also really good at helping us as fellow believers connect our thinking to our relationship with Jesus and how God's word leads us to think correctly. And so um, we're in our series called The Wellness Check, and this morning we are talking about mental health. And so I invited Sonia to come and talk with me and ask her some questions, and so we're going to dialogue this morning about some things that God's Word says and talk about some things that I think are really, really, I mean super, all the way to the core of your soul important, about your life with Christ. And that is how you think. Um, Our theology is extremely important because your theology helps you think right. And if you're not thinking right, as we will soon discover, you can't live right. And so what Sonia does as a counselor is help people think right. And she's going to help us think right this morning about some biblical things that we sometimes forget how important they are. And so I'm super excited that she's here. Well, we're asking a spiritual growth question this morning. Does anybody remember what it is? Right, we're getting there. We're almost there. We'll we'll get it by July. Am I all in for Jesus, right? And a really big part, a really big part about saying I'm all in for Jesus is thinking the way that Jesus wants you to think about yourself, about the world around you, about his word, about how our behaviors uh, honor him or don't honor him. All of those things start in our brain, in our mind, in our thinking. And so we have to learn how to get this right because our obedience to him and to his word is super important. So uh, why don't we pray, and then we'll jump in. Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for what you have for us. Thank you for what you're going to do in our lives. And we pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would come into the room. Because what we're about to talk about for the next 35 to 40 minutes is extremely important. And could change our life forever. And so we pray that the things that we discuss this morning would honor you. And would help us live for Jesus, look like Jesus, sound like Jesus, be like Jesus, and live in the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. We all said, Amen. 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 Well, Sonia, you want to say anything to us just to get started?
1: Yes. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. First of all, it is such an honor to be here sharing with you um, just a little bit about um, what God has to say about our mental health and how we can really specifically put that into practice. Um, the scripture that I use as my inspiration as a counselor comes from Proverbs 25, which reads, the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one of insight draws them out. And that's really the job of a, a therapist, a counselor, is to help a person sit and consider the deep waters of their life and then bring some of our knowledge and the things we have learned to just draw that out. Um, And I think just diving in, one of the most important parts of what we do is starting to identify what's the thinking going on in your mind and how is that influencing your emotions? Because our thoughts and our emotions are really just... Uh, an internal messaging system that God has designed. That's what they're there for. They're there to send us signals to help us move in the direction that God wants us to go. Um, And one of the metaphors I like to use is uh, having to do with a pilot. Now, if there are any pilots in the room, I'm going to apologize right ahead of time because (laughs) this is very, very simplified. But my understanding is that a pilot uh, is guided by air traffic control. So the pilot's job is to get the passengers to their place of destination. They know where they need to go. Uh, They have a general idea how to do that well, but they rely on those air traffic control people to help guide them and let them know, hey, there's some weather patterns coming on. Oh, hey, we've got a flight change here. Um, My husband and I were uh, getting on a flight and flew an hour towards our destination, and an hour in, the pilot came over the system and said, so sorry, we have to turn back around and go right back to where you came from. Um, Which, of course, you don't normally feel real good hearing that. Uh, But we landed, got on another plane. Um, But what we found out is there was a technical problem with the plane. And so I'm sure they were talking uh, to air traffic control saying, where do we land? How do we do that safely? Where's the next plane? Um, And I think what I like people to know is that's what our thoughts and our emotions are for. They're there to help guide us, to help signal us, to help us uh, move towards uh, what Christ wants for us in our life.
0: Awesome. And I think when you, I was thinking about that illustration too, as you're talking about the Lord just kind of guiding those things and being that too, leads us to like, we wanted to start this morning with talking about a foundation of biblical mental health because God's word really helps us with that as well. So we picked a couple verses that you'll hear us talk about over uh, and, and put into context over the next couple weeks. And um, the first one is Luke chapter 10, verse 27. So look at the screen with us. I want to read this verse for us, and then we'll just dialogue about it for a minute. This is uh, a moment when Jesus was asked a question about what the most important thing in our life is, and he said this, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. With all your mind. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we wanted you to notice that Jesus did a little separation there of who we are, right? Did you notice that? Kind of divided us up as a person a little bit. Love him with all your heart. Love him with all your soul, which is a lot of times we can, you know, soul and spirit can be the same with all your strength. That's my decision, right? To love the Lord. And then with all my mind. So all those pieces have to be working together. And in particular, we we wanted you to notice that, that the Lord said you have to love him with all your mind. That this part of your body, this part of your life needs to be healthy too. And that To have a healthy life in Christ, you have to have a healthy mind. And so we'll be focusing on the mind and the cognitive health that Jesus has for us and how your mind is impacting your body, your emotions, your behaviors, that all of that transpires in your mind first. And um, one of the questions I thought, Sonia, that is a good one, thinking about what Jesus said, lastly, about loving your neighbor as yourself, is it more difficult? Do you think it's more difficult to love your neighbor when your mind is not healthy?
1: Uh, yeah. 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 It's hard to love ourselves when our mind isn't oh, healthy. Right. yeah. Yeah, yeah. so
0: if we're going to obey what Jesus says, love ourselves and love our neighbor and take the health of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world, our mind has to be healthy. Our thinking has to be healthy. And so that's where things really get started. They get started in this process of, making our mind something that is loving the lord more than it's loving anything else. And that can be challenging, can it? But when we put god god first in our mind, we discover that a lot of healthy things become a big part of our life. So, which leads us to something that you've been doing very practically for a long time that we wanted to talk about. So could you just talk about this really practical process that you've been using to help people discover how their thoughts lead to their behavior, which is exactly what God's word says. But you walk them through it in such a really cool and unique way. I thought we should talk about it this morning.
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, I practice a form of uh, counseling psychology called cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Maybe some of you have heard of that for short. And this is a really practical technique that I take people through to just help them start understanding how to break apart thoughts and feelings and how they impact our actions. Um, I did want to give a disclaimer, though, that this is not therapy that we're doing, and this is not in place of therapy. If you or someone who is struggling, um, just encourage you to be able to get that individual therapy. But this is just a nice practical way that anybody can um, just um, have an activity to help them begin to understand a little bit about their internal emotional life. So yes, it's called the cognitive triangle. Um,
0: and, and you have one on your seat, so grab it. Okay, everybody grab your cognitive triangle paper.
1: And if you don't have one... Uh, we're going to put something yeah. on, but these are a little, Mark pointed out, they're a little bit different in that they go the opposite direction. Uh, this one goes clockwise. The one up on the screen, no. Yes. 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 Uh, the one on the screen goes counter-clockwise, counterclockwise, but they're all the same. So yeah. Same the
0: interactions conceptually. interactions are the same. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's good to point out just again, I just want to point out what Sonia just said. What we're about to do is not a counseling session. It's what you might do in a counseling session but it's not one right now, um, and because we didn't want any of you to have to pay Sonya a fee as you're leaving.
1: Oh um, wait, right. wait. So maybe
0: we should. I didn't know. Oh, okay. So we are. We are then. Okay. So all of you will. Oh, sorry. None. No. But um, so um, none of you will have to go through a session this morning. But maybe someone will. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh,
1: well, uh, speaking of that, I I had asked Mark. he said what I would love to do is take. You, through a cognitive triangle practice, just to kind of show everyone how this would work practically. In front of everybody. In front of everyone. Uh, And uh, um, there's something important happening today, and I figure there might be some thoughts and emotions around that. So They're
0: all truthful and healthy.
1: Of course. Um, so I thought we might start there. So whenever I'm taking someone through a cognitive triangle practice, the first thing we, they tell me is, well, there's a situation that's happening and um, this is the thing. So is there anything going on uh, about the Super Bowl and your amazing 49ers?
0: Oh, yeah. They're amazing. They are. That's, that's the yeah. truth.
1: But is there there any kind of problem that's coming up because of it?
0: Oh, no. No problems at all. Yeah, there's a couple of problems. Okay. What Um, might they be? Well, one, there's some past trauma.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay. um, Because those are deep waters, but we're not going to go there this morning. Um, Okay.
0: There's some past trauma because, you know, the Chiefs beat the Niners a couple years ago. I understand. There's some anxiety and some worry and some past trauma there. Yeah, for sure.
1: Okay. Anything in particular? Um, Have you been invited maybe to?
0: Well, sure. But why would I go to anybody else's house?
1: Okay, Anybody in particular you've been invited? Well, I don't want to name names. Okay. So you have someone who has invited you to watch the game. Possibly. Okay. So this is the situation. Uh, Mark's been asked to go watch a game. And you've got some negative emotions mm-hmm. coming up. So the first thing I ask someone is, okay, so what are some automatic thoughts that are just popping into your mind? Maybe some automatic negative thoughts and they just pop into your mind. So what's, an, like, what's a thought that's coming up in your mind?
0: About the situation of the person inviting me yeah. to your house? Well, yeah. yeah. First of all, um, I don't want to go to their house because they're going to make fun of me.
1: Okay. So the thought is,
0: right.
1: if I go, they're going to make fun yep, of me.
0: Because they're cheese fans. Okay. And I'm trying to. Um, this morning we learned in Faith Kids are learning to love your enemies
1: okay. and those okay. who
0: persecute you. So I'm working okay. on that.
1: Uh, is that an automatic thought that's popping into your mind, or is the automatic thought actually they're going to make fun of me?
0: They're going to make fun of me.
1: Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, that's the automatic thought. So uh, what other automatic thoughts might be just popping well, into your mind? Another
0: automatic thought is if they lose, then um, it'll really get rubbed in.
1: Okay, so it's going to get rubbed in if they lose. Yep, it's going to get rubbed
0: in if they lose. Okay. I'll have to listen to constant negative.
1: Okay, I'm going to have to listen to constant negative things. I'm going to get razzed. I'm going to
0: have to watch behaviors that I don't enjoy.
1: Okay, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. People
0: will be wearing things that I don't enjoy. Okay,
1: so if I go, I'm going to see stuff I don't like.
0: See stuff I don't Mm -hmm. like.
1: Yeah, right, Um, okay.
0: And, uh, you know, I mean, there's just going to be some anxiousness sitting there.
1: Okay, so that leads to the next thing. So the idea, the automatic thought is, uh, it's going to be hard because my friend's going to make fun of me. Yep. Is leading to an emotion and that emotion. So the emotion doesn't pop up on its own. Nope. There's like this thought that's kind of driving it and it's, this person's going to make fun of me. Right. And you also said, um, ooh, another thought is what if they might lose. Yep. And that's kind of making you feel... Kind of anxious, yep. Um, little nervous, yep. Yeah, okay. And so uh, your friend texts you, and you're not responding. So here's that action, right? Correct. Like my yep. thought no is response. all these things, I'm and then I'm starting to have these them. feelings, and then I say, I'm just not going to respond to the right. text. So there's the behavior, the mm-hmm. action is I'm not, I'm not going to text my friend, or I'm going to yep. avoid it, or I'm not going to think about it. So great. Thank you for being so vulnerable. I appreciate right. it. This helps. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've got these thoughts that are driving the feelings. The feelings aren't just there out of nowhere. So whenever we get a feeling, we want to check in and go like, "What is the thought?" So the thought uh, happens, the feeling happens, and then it's affecting your behavior. Um, and we got this game, so you kind of haven't decided yet what you're going to do. So that kind of leaves you in a right. hard place. So then what we want to do is we want to go and check your thoughts. Right. This is where we kind of put our thoughts out there and we're going to look at them. So Mark, you and I are going to take those thoughts. We're going to ask ourselves two things. So number one, is my thought true? And this means true, not like, oh, I feel like it might be true. It's if I brought it before a judge, a judge would say, you have indisputable evidence that this is actually a true thing because so many of us get caught up in thoughts that just aren't true, but we're holding on to them. So let me ask you, Mark. (laughs) Uh, So we ask ourselves first, number one, if it's true. And then, everybody. and then the second thing we ask is, is it helpful? Okay, Because right. I thought it might be true, mm-hmm. but it may not be helpful. So, Mark, is it true that if you go to this friend's house, there is a high chance you are going to get razzed about something to do with the 49ers? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Is it helpful... For you to stay stuck on that? No. And why not?
0: Because it's just a game. And it's not really that important.
1: Okay. Is your friendship with your friend important? Yes. Okay.
0: That's more important.
1: Okay. So if we think about it, we look at the thought and we go, oh, yes, that's true. But then you say, but my action is I'm withdrawing from my friend then. And actually that's not... I mean, I, lo- I love my friend and I mm. want to be connected to him. So what might be a more helpful thought? So here's where we take these thoughts. They're there. They're automatic, but we're going to shift them a little bit and make them something more helpful. So what might be a more helpful thought to kind of replace that, that you can remind yourself?
0: I could remind myself that nobody's going to go to heaven based on the outcome of this game. And, and you
1: all heard that.
0: <laughs> and, and my friendship with my friend is way more important. And one of the reasons we are good friends is because we can joke together. Okay. And play together. And have fun together. And in the end, it really doesn't mean anything. We're just playing around.
1: Okay. So when that nervous, anxious feeling shows yeah. up and you're kind of withdrawing, you can remind yourself, hold on. Yeah. What's really important to me is this. And I want to move in that direction. Yeah. So we replace that thought, move mm-hmm. in the more helpful direction and go and, that and
0: way. And maybe my nervousness tells me that um, I'm putting too much importance on a game yeah. instead of a friendship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. So you're cured.
0: I'm cured. That's right.
1: Good. Yeah. Okay. That's great.
0: okay. I think I'll go. <laughs> all right. So that's me, right? We all know that's happening with me today, right? But um, we also, every single one of us, have moments just like mine today, right? For instance, let's put this into our realm as Christians for a minute. I hear this a lot and you've probably heard this a lot. I I don't know, I just can't go to that Bible study. Or I don't know what I don't know if I can go to man, man camp or or women's retreat. I just don't know what's going to go on there and so I'm I'm just not going. What would you say to someone that's that's stuck in that mindset?
1: Yeah, so I think we just do the same thing. Um, It's really just look at that situation. And um, uh, first of all, I would be really empathetic and compassionate and say, wow, there's something going on that's making you feel that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And here's where the deep waters is. This isn't simple stuff because these thoughts, they can come from your past history. They can come from your family of origin. They can come from what you've learned is you know, helpful to you or not. Um, and so first I would just say, let's take a, let's take a look at that and, and be, be compassionate to yourself. Um, at, as you look at it Of Oh, what's, what's going on here? So then I would say, what are those automatic thoughts? So maybe, uh, I know myself, I've, um, thought this before, uh, there's an opportunity and I get that, like little twinge from the Holy spirit. That's like, oof, that might be a good, good thing. Um, so, uh, but I, I might be fighting that. Um, I'd love to hear from some of you, what might be some automatic thoughts that would pop up about why you wouldn't go to the Bible study. Anybody have an automatic thought about like, Oh, this would pop into my mind. Like I'm, I'm not going to do it because of this. Don't have, time. don't have time. That's my number one. Yep. Don't have time. Oh, and by the way, we all have patterns and we all have the things we go to pretty easily. So don't have time. Don't know the Bible well enough. Oh, good. good one. Good one. Yeah, I don't know the Bible good enough. To
0: to Ooh, might have to talk to people. Yeah, I don't social
1: know. anxiety. I'm, I'm going to talk to people I don't know, and they might think badly of me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh. Yeah. They're going to make me pray. Oh. <laughs> yeah,
1: they're going <laughs> to make me pray out loud. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What's another one? I might have to be vulnerable. I might mm-hmm. have to be vulnerable. Yeah. yeah.
1: So those are great ones. Those automatic thoughts that pop in, and then we get these emotions that come up, right? They might be. Um, fearfulness, it might be anxiety, um, nervousness, and then that might lead to what we choose to do. So it may be, no, I don't think so. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to not think about that. Um, and um, so my encouragement is if you feel the twinge of the Holy Spirit and those automatic thoughts pop up, just notice them and notice like, oh, I'm having that thought. I don't have enough time. I'm having that thought, I'm going to have to pray out loud, um, and bring that before the Lord and Mm -hmm. then say, um, first of all, is this true? Is it true? You have to pray out loud on Bible study. I mean, maybe, but maybe not. I don't think they make you pray in Bible study if you don't want to. to. Yeah. Um, it might be, um, I don't know the Bible well enough, you know, um, that probably is deeper, like, I don't know the Bible well enough, and people will judge me about that, so people will judge me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, do we know that's true? Most people are so worried about what's going on in them, they don't have time um, in their own turn world. will, but, you know, kind of bringing that, and what would be helpful for me? Mm-hmm. Would it be more helpful to say, you know, God says, I'm okay just the way I am. Right. I'm, I'm going to show up. I'm going to trust these people and, and do that. And, and thinking and bring, this is where you can bring it before the Lord and ask him to help you reframe or kind of change something that could be helpful.
0: Right. That's good. So you can see that what this, what we're talking about here and what Sonya really does so well is that a single thought leads to a feeling that leads to a behavior. And sometimes that thought is, right, I might have to talk to someone I don't know, and that makes me feel a little nervous, and so I choose not to go to the Bible study. The problem with that is what? Then I'm also choosing not to grow in Jesus, and I'm choosing not to do some things that God really calls me to do and wants me to do, and um, and sometimes it'll take a little bit to be brave in that, but these are these are like... What we wanted you to see this morning is that um how many how many of you can look at this triangle and see just where the enemy also attacks you that he attacks you with a thought or he attacks you with a feeling and he gets you to do something that you don't want to do and and so when you think about it this way, you can think, okay, am I am I listening to the Holy Spirit right now or am I listening to my own flesh or am I listening to the enemy of my soul? What's happening to here? I need to tell, start telling myself the truth. And, and there might still be some feelings even if I tell myself the truth, right? There might be like the truth is I need to go to that Bible study. But might I still feel like I might have to be vulnerable and talk and share my life? Yeah, that might still be there. But I'm going to... I know the truth is I need to grow in Christ and I know that the truth is that I need to be vulnerable to be healed. And so even though I have that feeling, I need to do what's right and I need to go to that Bible study or I need to go, go to women's street or I need to go to man camp or whatever, right? I need to, I need to do that thing and not just let it hang us up. I I need to see that my friendship with my friend is more important than a football game. And so I'm going to go, right? And I'm going to do those things. So those are really, really important. This is why, by the way, this cognitive triangle, you you might have heard me say this in different ways as we asked a question all last year, what do I believe? Because your thinking, your thoughts, your beliefs lead to your feelings, which lead to your behavior. That's why we asked that question every single week last year. Now, that idea of... Going deep with this is a big deal, isn't it? That's not just a big deal to us. It's a big deal to God. And God has actually modeled it for us in his word in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Can you talk about that verse and how important that verse is just for a minute?
1: Um, Yes, this is where when we're um, being looking at our thoughts, um, this is where we can in prayer say, search me, God, and know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts, See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I think this is where we can really have that vulnerable posture towards God that here are some thoughts, but these thoughts, I'm having them, but who I am is who you've created me to be in Christ. I have thoughts, I have emotions, but who I am in Christ is is who I am, Um, and so i think just being able to bring that before god then we can ask him to help us as he searches us to find ways to to change Um, And this is where if you go into counseling, this is the deep waters, right? So our beliefs and where they came from and what we've experienced, that's the deep waters that happen. And so that may be where he might reveal to you, oh, you need to go talk to a friend about this. You need to explore this more. But what's interesting is when we do that without uh, a posture of defensiveness um, and anger, Um, then we get to kind of understand like why are we doing these things that we don't want to do and it gives us an ability to to change that
0: yeah yeah I think what's really important too is this verse talks about us being vulnerable with God but also talks about this habit that we need to have as followers of Christ that we're saying Lord search me heal me help me grow What's, what's offensive to you in my life, in my thoughts, in my feelings, in my behavior? Because I want to be like you. And it leads us to freedom in Christ when we do the hard work to notice what those things are. Because it is hard work, right?
1: Well, yeah, because these are automatic like neural pathways in our brain right. um, that we may have done for years and years. Uh, and we may not even have been aware of it. Um, right. a situation happens it brings us to our awareness and that is where our chance for growth lies
0: right yeah but a lot of times that takes hard work to rethink that to read
1: oh so much hard work anything so new work. we do right. takes hard work yeah. yeah yeah
0: so one of the things that's really important there is we want to notice that when you, when we say i want to love the lord with all my mind and we're going to discover what that truth is that there will be times we have to make tough decisions to live out the truth to start thinking right. And so that's really, really important. But that that freedom that we have is what God wants for us instead of us living in our sin and our shame. See, we can choose to live in our sin and our shame and in our unholy thinking, or we can choose to press into the freedom of Christ. Um, you You mentioned someone who has done the extremely hard work of this Um, and his name is victor frankel can you talk about victor just for a minute and then share this really great quote from him but talk about his life for a minute and the hard things that he went through and what he had to do mentally
1: yeah so victor frankel is one of the um, fathers of psychology um, and he developed some of the thinking that we have as we study counseling Um, He was a Holocaust survivor. He lost his wife um, and his parents in one of the concentration camps. Um, And so that led him on. And he was a psychiatrist before he was taken to the camps. And so he, he knew and he had been studying the mind. But of course, psychology is kind of a new field. So we it was brand new. We don't know a lot about it. We're, we're learning more and more. And now that we can do brain scanning, we're learning a ton. But back then, um, he had some understandings. Um, and he uh, he had this. He wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And one of his most famous quotes is, uh, between stimulus and response, there is space. So stimulus being between something that happens and your response There is space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. And in our response lies our growth and our freedom. And he actually practiced and learned and kind of came up with this concept in the concentration camps, even when there was the most severe restriction of ability to respond and do something, he learned there were small things in his mind he could do to alter how he felt and that helped him survive. And so... Again, super, super deep stuff there. But the bottom line, I think, for us is that we have this little bit, when we're very aware, and we got to start with the awareness. When we're aware of our thoughts, we can become more aware of what's driving our feelings. And there, then, we can start responding. And that's where our growth is. That's why we meet together. That's why we do things to help uh, people help us practice (laughs) um, those things. Yeah. Yeah.
0: One of the reasons we wanted to talk about Victor, too, is... To not give this impression that, um, oh, everything's roses when you come to know Jesus, right? Here's a guy who's living in a concentration camp and dealing with all of the horrors of a concentration camp who learned how to think right. And none of us in this room will ever have to deal with, hopefully, <laughs> I mean, we don't know what the future is, but hopefully, right? What it takes to think right in the middle of a concentration camp. But the point that he makes that is really important is we all need to think right. Even if you're in the deepest, darkest, most cruel thing we've ever done in human history. He learned how to think right because it's important. And we do need to too. Which takes us to this really good question. What does good mental health look like? Right? What does that really look like? What does good mental health look like?
1: Well, the first thing I tell my clients is if you have good mental health, that does not mean that there is an absence of hard feelings and maybe some hard thoughts. Um, Emotional wellness is that we can experience those things. And because Christ is there to help us, we can become aware and then practice what to do with the hard feelings and the hard thoughts. Um, and I think, you know, um, good mental health, you can still have really good relationships, even when you may have some points of depression or despair. Um, anxiety does not have to be your default to every single thing that happens. It might show up, though, Um obsessive thoughts they don't have to be the final say in what we do and trauma it impacts us but it does not have to predict our future and I think so that's the thing is sometimes people say or they have this idea like if you're mentally healthy well you don't have hard thoughts or you don't have feelings that's not it at all it's just that you're figuring out what to do with them and it has to start with the awareness of them first
0: so would you say that good mental health, too, is learning to not let those things affect your behaviors in a negative way?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, we, we all, and most of us that are having a heartbeat, like, we're like, I don't want to do this. I don't know what's yeah. making me do this, right? Um, and the cool thing, uh, if I could jump to, uh, can we jump to neuroplasticity right now, or should we wait?
0: We can. Okay. Yes.
1: So, what the cool thing about uh, what neuroimaging is now showing us is, we used to think that, boy, you know, you thought one way, you were like that. That's just how it was. You were kind of stuck with it, right? Mm-hmm. But what we're beginning to see is that when people practice certain kinds of changing thought patterns or changing behaviors, that it, It can rewire the brain. So we have neural pathways that we just do things, we do things, we do things. When we change and we start shifting things, there's a new neural pathway and it lights up a different part of the brain. Now, that pathway takes practice, right? You got your highway of actions or highway of thinking. You're on that highway. That's what you're doing. Now, a new way, it's hard, it's like, oh, I've never taken this exit before. But the more you take that exit, the more you do that um, action, the more you shift that thinking, it gets a little easier and then a little easier. Now, that does not mean that that old pathway isn't there and sometimes you're going to default because you're under stress. Um, but with practice, it can be different. And right. um, the scripture, um, I think that's what I, we put on the CBT triangle there. Um, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this is really what renewing your mind means. It means looking at your thoughts, shifting them. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will.
0: Right, that's really good. Um, We're gonna talk about this a little bit more, and then we'll talk about it a little bit more next week as well. Neuroplasticity is really the newest thing because we can now scan the brain. And before we couldn't scan the brain. So before neuroplasticity, we we thought, you know, whatever happens in your brain, that's what your brain is doing. You can never change that. And the only thing you can do is medicate that. But what we're finding with brain scans is that exactly what Sonia just said. No, you can, if you do the hard work of the cognitive triangle and start thinking the truth and putting your emotions into alignment and changing your behavior. And we do that with the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit's there to help us with. When we begin to do that, you do create, this is what brain scans are now showing us. You, create a, you can create a pathway right through that old spot that wasn't working or a new pathway to make your ba- brain work the way it should and to make your brain think like it should, should do. So in other words, what you're telling me is that science is finally catching up with Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Is that what you're saying? That's what she's saying. Because what did God say? You can renew your mind. That's the truth. The truth is, now, notice with me really quickly. This is what Paul is saying to the church in Rome. Okay? To the church, to the people that have grown up in the wealthiest, most arrogant, most narcissistic city our planet has ever seen, Rome. At the height of the Roman Empire, can you imagine what your thoughts would have been as a Roman or as a slave in Rome, right? These are the people that are getting saved. You're either a slave in Rome because there's like 400,000 of them in that city, or you're a Roman who has this very narcissistic, arrogant view of yourself, And what does Paul say? You have to start thinking differently. (laughs) You have to renew your mind because everything you've been told, either as a slave that you are nothing is a lie or that you are everything is a lie. (laughs) And you need to renew that thinking because neither of those are God's good, pleasing and perfect will for your life. So I'm going to ask you to start living in my truth and it's going to change your feelings and it's going to change your behaviors because I've made your brain to be able to change. And that's exactly what God's word is saying. So science is catching up with God's word. Isn't that, isn't that good news? That's good news. And so that's what we see here. And um, it's how Romans twelve two helps us understand how our brains actually work and how our thinking works and how that happens. Now, the second part of that, though, is what do we start to think? Like, does the Bible give us anything about what we should think? And the answer is, yes, it does. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 to 8, says this. And then I'll let Sonia talk about it for a minute. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Would you just say that with me? Fix your thoughts on what is true. Let's say it again. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. This verse says some pretty hard things. What does it say?
1: Well, I think it outlines, it, it's, to me, it's a comfort because it helps me have a place to go with my hard thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really just saying, you're going to have these difficult thoughts. Here's, here's what's going to be helpful to replace them with. What's true. What's honorable. Mm-hmm. What's lovely. What's praiseworthy. Um, yeah. So I think it, it gives us a place to go um and that brings me great comfort. Um and I think we can just use that as kind of a guideline.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then verse 9 is also challenging, right? Cuz it says keep putting into practice. What does that mean to you?
1: Uh this is just that idea. So I recommend to people once I teach them this, if they at least once a day, maybe in your prayer life or in your contemplation reflection of a day, do a triangle if something hard happened. Um, figure out the situation. Oh, what was I thinking? Because oftentimes we just move through our lives and we don't even take any time to figure out what am I even thinking that's going on? Um, so, uh, break it out and notice the feelings, uh, let the Lord search you and then ask him to help you, um, you know, alter that, reframe it, change it, keep it in practice. And then we do it daily. It's right. the renewing of our mind. It, it takes a practice and then it gets easier.
0: Right. This sounds like one of the fruits of the spirit. Self-control. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's how we gain self-control. We don't, we aren't born with self-control. We don't show up with this. Some people it seems to be easier for, I will say. (laughs) Uh, But this is that renewing and that practice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Self-control is a fruit of the spirit. And that's what God asks us to do with our thoughts. We're going to land the plane now. There's a verse in Mark chapter 2 that is really, really interesting. There's this moment Jesus is having, and he's healing lots of people, and you probably remember this story. And the crowd is so large in this house that he's sitting in that the, um, the men, some friends, they want to bring their, their friend who's paralyzed to Jesus so that he can heal him. But they can't get through the crowd. The crowd is so dense, it's so crowded, it's so many people around this house that they literally can't get in the house. And so what do they do? They tear the roof off. (laughs) Like, I love that. Like, that's got this whole thing on its own. Like, let's tear the roof off with our faith for a minute, amen? Like, that's how we should be. Let's tear the roof off of things. But there's this interesting thing that happens in this moment. They lower the man before Jesus, and the obvious thing that we all think is gonna happen here is that Jesus is gonna say, be healed. But instead, Jesus says, I forgive you your sin. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that are hearing this, that are sitting there in that moment have a thought (laughs) that leads to a feeling that leads them to their, by the way, ungodly behaviors. And their thought is, he can't say that. Who is he to say that he can forgive sins? Nobody can do that except God alone. And Jesus knew what they were thinking. And so the next thing that Jesus says is, Well, so that you know that I am God and that I can forgive sins, I will tell this man to be healed and walk. Because what is easier to say, be forgiven or to actually heal a paralyzed person? Healing a paralyzed person is way harder. So Jesus says, so that you would know that I can do both, pick up your mat and walk. And he does. He picks up his mat and he walks. But in verse 8, Jesus says something interesting. Listen to it with me. It says, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their thought in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? I'd like us to just sit in that for a minute this morning. Because we know what we're supposed to be thinking. We're supposed to be thinking what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely. Anything that's excellent or praiseworthy. That's what we're supposed to be thinking. But many times we don't. And so we need to bring those things in alignment with God's word. And so I think every one of us in the room this morning could hear Jesus say to us, Why are you thinking those things? Why are you thinking those things about yourself? Why are you thinking those things about someone else? Why are you thinking those things about fill in the blank? And so I'd like us to sit in contemplation over that question this morning and just invite us to think about that and to think about this question. It'll be on the screen for us. How is Jesus inviting you to be all in for him this week? with your thinking and so could we just sit in that for a minute let the Holy Spirit speak to us and then we'll close Let's just pray. Jesus, we thank you this morning that you've taught us something really, really powerful, and that is how to think right. We recognize that for us to love you completely, to be all in for you, Jesus, we've got to help our mind be healthy too. Our minds got to love you. And our minds got to think right about you, about ourselves, about the world around us, and about the situations we walk through daily. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you right now to just come into our mind. Help us to understand that you can renew our thinking. Whatever habits, and thoughts we might have that are regular that don't honor you, would you help each of us to learn how to think right? To notice what's the truth and what's not and to live in the truth and to do the hard work that it takes to live there so that our feelings don't lead our life to behaviors that don't honor you. Help us to be people that, Lord, are really good at thinking right. Because this is such a big deal in our culture right now today, and because the enemy is attacking our minds in so many ways, Lord, we ask for your protection. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us. We ask you to convict us in ways that maybe we can't see that you might be honored, that you might be glorified, that you might be praised. Because in the end, Lord, we want to know how to love you really well and how to love our neighbor really well. So heal us. Make us like you. Give us good mental health, we pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm excited to tell you that um, Sonia will be with us next week again, and we're going to be talking about some, some of the little things that um, affect our mental health, like social media, lack of community, how to have purpose and direction, and how much um, loneliness can affect your mental health. Um, so we're going to hit some big things next week too, that have a lot to do with our mental health. So could we say thank you to Sonia? Great job. Thanks so much. And, um, it's good to see you in church this morning glad you were here. Our prayer partners are going to come up and be here to pray. If you'd like to pray about anything, we'd love for you to come up and just pray for something. If there's something that you, that the Holy Spirit just worked while we were talking this morning, would you come up and pray about it? It's a great place to start our mental health. Amen. It's in prayer and taking it to Jesus. So let's start there. All right. Remember Jesus loves you. So do Kate and I have a great week.